you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Good pocket field, deep throw, caught. Bryant, Des Bryant gets up and takes the ball to the one-yard line. And now the pass to the outside is juggled by Bryant, but he holds it in and gets to the end zone for a Dallas touchdown. Three-man rush, caught, and into the end zone goes McKinnon with 25 seconds. Bradford looks over the middle, and oh, where was that? Ten feet high. The onside kick will determine whether this game will go on or not. And Witten, <laughs> Witten hasn't caught a ball tonight, but he makes the catch there. Oh, Minnesota Vikings, the team of around the league, around the NFL. You're breaking my heart. I know what it feels like for a night to be a Vikings fan. 17-15, they fought valiantly, but lose by two to the Dallas Cowboys, I'm Greg Rosenthal. Oh, there we go. Oh, it is tough watching this team. I'm Greg Rosenthal with Chris Wesseling. We'll get to Dan Hansis, Mark Sessler, and the Week 13 preview in just a minute. But, Chris, you thought this game was over, and Sam Bradford didn't let it be over. He had a clutch drive at the end, but it wasn't enough. Sam Bradford's the most unfairly maligned quarterback in the mm. NFL this year. He's been in a catch-22. Entering this game, he had the highest passer rate in the NFL on passes over 15 yards. Most of that is a vestige from the North Turner days when he was getting killed behind the offensive line. So they bring in Pat Shermer, ask him to do a quick-strike offense, which leaves people scratching their heads when he throws short of the sticks, and he still gets hit too much behind – Guys like T.J. Clemmings, who just can't block because he's a turnstile, he leaves with a rib injury, comes back in the second half. Guts the effort. Kyle Rudolph drops a touchdown, yep. costing them four points. Charles Johnson th- drops a beautiful sideline pass, 41 possession. And then uh, Laquan Treadwell runs the wrong route in the red zone, costing them more points. Can't get open on a deep route either. They get Bradford leads. The game-tying touchdown almost. They need the two-point conversion, and his right tackle, Jeremiah Surlis, false starts. A false starts because the Cowboys fans are so loud in Minnesota Stadium. Good job by the Cowboys fans, A 50-50 attempt at a two-yard play becomes a seven-yard play, yeah. and they never tie the game. I, I just think Bradford deserves better than to be picked on for the way he's played this season. He has not been the Vikings' problem. No, he's not, and Vikings fans deserve better, and NFL fans deserve better because it was a bad call, a bad no call on the final play of the game. They raked – Cedric Thornton raked – Bradford's helmet, it was a, as clear as can be. I think his other arm, his left arm, also hit the side of Bradford's helmet. That That's debatable. Tony Carrente, the official, told Bradford it, the arm did not touch your helmet. They, got, they missed the call. They missed the call. And that's not to say that they would have scored the two-point conversion no, in the next play. But. Or to say they would have won in overtime. But it's just this team, if they didn't have bad luck, you know, they'd have no luck at all. And some of it's self-inflicted. It's offensive lines. It's not making the plays in the 
key spots, but some of it's just bad luck. You know, um, they they force a couple turnovers. The defense plays great, but then they lose the game really on special teams. Jeff Locke was terrible punting all night, and it set up Dallas for three points. And then Adam Thielen had the fumble on the punt return. At the very point of the game, I was excited. The Vikings getting the ball back with the lead, 10 minutes to go, and it looked like maybe they're actually going to do this, and they basically hand Dallas seven points. That was the game-changing play. Yep. That was the play of the game. The Cowboys were losing. It looked like they were, they couldn't do anything on offense. Guys like Daniil Hunter and Brian Robison, uh, Everson Griffin had a great game, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendrick controlling. You're talking about a Cowboys team where all of their MVP candidates, the offensive line lost the battle yep. to the Vikings' star-studded front seven. Zeke had his worst game of the year, I thought. The fumble, the holding penalty, which ruined a Jason Witten first down. Yeah. He wasn't making people miss. And then he had a 30-yard run in, in the fourth quarter that kind of saved his game. Dak lost a fumble that the Vikings turned into the go-ahead score. Right. They couldn't They couldn't put the ball, the game away late when you just assume the Cowboys are going to pick up a first down to win the game like they've done all year, and they didn't do it. And you got to give a ton of credit, and I know we're, we're kind of being homers here for the team of ATL, but you got to give credit to the Vikings defense for one of the best performances by any defense in any game all year. You give the Cowboys 13 drives, and they only get 264 yards. This has been the best offense in the league. They really only scored 10 points on their own. You know, seven they got handed to them by the the special teams. Three really were set up uh, by the by the bad punt, and and Dak Prescott, credit to him, makes a great scramble, makes a great downfield throw to Des Bryant, and has shown a, a great knack of making the key plays when he needs to. Defensive coordinator George Edwards was making his play calling debut mm. for the Vikings with Mike Zimmer out. With, with eye surgery, and that was an unqualified success for Edwards. He was dialing up all the right numbers. That's what I mean. I mean, bad luck. I mean, you got no, you got no Zimmer. Forget Teddy Bridgewater. You got no, you got no Adrian Peterson. You don't have your starting and backup either tackles, and, and it's tough because they show the Vikings showed us uh, tonight, Thursday night. I think why we we fell for them a little bit. A lot of heart, a lot of defensive players. Uh, but just not enough. They just find a a way to blow it. And Dak Prescott, I'm starting to. It's almost cliche, but you know he he does impress me each week. You know he has 139 yards in this game in 18 attempts, and yet he's just he's so heady. He really reminds me of of Brady's first year as a starter, which wasn't pretty all the time, and Roethlisberger's first year as a starter with a little more support behind him where he's just got such a great feel for the game and, and knows the, to make the right plays. And what do those two guys have in common? Future Hall of Famers? I don't they know. They replaced injured veterans, and that's how they got their job. Yeah, so the the Cowboys get the win, 11-1. and one. They're headed to the one seed. Vikings not totally out of it yet at 6-6 six and six just because that division is lousy. Vikings could join the 93 Saints in ignominy as the only teams to start out as the last undefeated team of the season and still miss the playoffs. Well, this <laughs> this team, this is why I have I did not that's why I picked them in this game and why I haven't given up on them. They're fighting and there's some talent there and in a lousy division, I don't rule them out yet. Uh, but I also just give the Cowboys a lot of credit and I love what Dez said after the game and, and after this we'll send it over to Dan. Des Bryant said after the game about Deke, uh, Zeke rather and Dak, 
They're our lead. They're our young leaders. We follow them. They bring us the juice. We're just following. That's an amazing statement to say about two rookies from one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Hopefully the rest of the week 13 slate is as entertaining. Let's go to Dan Hansis to preview it all. The Around the NFL podcast takes shots from the water boy. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. All right. We're in the teens, guys. Week 13 preview today. How about that? Feels good, the after Thanksgiving weeks. It just feels like you're close. The games are more meaningful, too. They're inherently better. When they matter more. Getting close to the season's midpoint for us, for those who cover the sport. <laughs> uh, of course, the, the, the flip side there, Greg, is uh, some of the games mean more. Uh, you're gonna, there will right, be but we don't have to talk about those well. quite as long or watch them quite as hard. Mark? Uh, I agree with both of you. Mark, you know, as someone who grew up and inside the NFL, we give all teams no, we a do. little bit of pop. Yeah, we're going to pay attention to every game. There's going to be some stinkers like the 49ers-Bears, but... Actually, quite a bit attached to that, though, we can get into it. But yeah. there's every game has meaning. Um, the Around the NFL podcast, sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. That was called it The Flame, the Netherlands, which <laughs> that would be a sign that that's his goal. really taken over yeah. that part of the globe. That's the end game. Yeah, that's the end game. Uh, a lot of games to get to. What a delicious lunch sent to us by Mr. F today. Thank you, Uh to the entire economics class. This is the best sponsorship ever. I don't like if we would have gotten Chrysler. Do you think we're getting lunch sent to us? No, no. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Mr. Flames economics class in the Hague. Doesn't matter. We got to go visit them versus the white whale. Dick's sporting goods. Don't ask me that. I, I know my answer. Mr. F too much. It's like Sophie's choosing choice. between. It's like choosing yeah. between his children. It's not yeah. fair. Mm. Well, it's a sponsorship that rewards the four people on the show, or one that simply goes to the corporate people upstairs that have never <laughs> even heard of the show. That's yes, true. But and why? Sydney also had a delicious lunch. But one is called Dicks, and don't sleep on that, Mark. A lot of games to get to. <laughs> a lot of games. Thank you, Mr. Flame. Uh, only two teams on by. Good news, Mark. The Browns are one of them. It's no Sunday news. sadness for you. It's just good to have them. <laughs> it's good for them to get a break. They need a break. Okay. No one believes you when you say you'd be okay with 0-16. Just letting you know. I wouldn't be okay with it. My yeah. my point was I can't control it, and I spent, I've spent since like seventh grade till now <laughs> trying to like mentally control what the Browns do over that concept. Okay, that's fair. Um, we have a lot of games to get to, and I think uh, the one we should get to first, gentlemen, uh, involves a trip to the throne of sleaze. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Somebody's got a problem. The New England Patriots are going to be without Rob Gronkowski possibly the remainder of the year. That's how serious this is. He will undergo back surgery on Friday. This was uh, reported by Rap Sheet uh, earlier Thursday. The injury um, and subsequent surgery uh, could sideline Gronk deep into the playoffs. 
Uh, we could be looking at a situation here, although it's still hard to, to tell. It's a herniated disc situation, which is obviously no bueno. But there could be – there's a very real possibility the only way we see Gronk again is if the Patriots make the Super Bowl, which will be very hard for the Patriots to do if they don't have Gronk. So you see how that's a, a tough situation for the throne of sleaze. Um, so we'll start there before we even get into their game on Sunday. Uh, Rams at Patriots, which is a favorable mac- matchup. Greg, your thoughts when you heard the Gronk news? Well, try not to be so elated. You know, <laughs> I'm just imagining a, I am not a in prime Darrell Revis, you know, getting injured and me dancing around. Oh, you mean the guy that won the Super Bowl with the Patriots? Yeah. And then oh, that he was signed a, with the Jets and that was you know, nice. Basically gave up. Trying. <laughs> that's the guy. That's yeah. the guy. That's the example you used. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, that's a bad job. Uh, <laughs> The Patriots' offense is not nearly the same without Rob Gronkowski. That's obvious. The numbers say it, and they're in big trouble. With that said, you know, no team has done a better job adapting and evolving and overcoming injuries and overcoming obstacles than the Patriots. So while I think this lowers the ceiling of their offense considerably, they still have Martellus Bennett. They still have Julian Edelman. They still have the quarterback who I think is playing as well as anyone in the league. They still have a, a diverse backfield with James White, Deion Lewis, and LeGarrette Blunt. They have had far less talented offenses, even in the Gronk era, than this year. The question is is the defense, but that, that's not really uh, having to do with Gronkowski. It, it kills them, but I don't think, I don't think they're done. I don't, I don't think this takes them out of being a Super Bowl contender I mean, by their, any means. Their defense, you're right, has some historical issues this year under, I mean, there's numbers wise, they've got issues, but in terms of giving up points, right. What third in the league? I mean, it's, that's the definition of a bend, but don't break <laughs> operation. Yeah. And I think Greg makes the point that the Patriots adapt and evolve, but you're a little too optimistic on guys like Julian Edelman and Martellus Bennett, who are currently injured and battling that's injuries. Fair. They're not the players. And Tom Brady. That's the bigger one, right? They're not the players they were earlier in the season or Edelman last year. And I think that's a problem when you see Gronk. The numbers with Gronk, Brady has a 105 passer passer rating, and without Gronk, it's 82.5. That's crazy. That's a chasm of difference. And and I I will throw out here because, you know, you have to talk about it now. Gronk is a guy that came into the league with injury concerns. And if you look at what's going on here, it's really starting to pile up. Uh, 2012, a hip and forearm issues cost him five games. 2013, back forearm, ACL, MCL concussion, nine games. 2015, a knee injury cost him one game. This year, the hamstring and the lung and now the back. Um, there's a very real possibility. And what I, you said that. I hope you were joking, Greg, because I love Gronk as a player and a, a guy who's fun to watch. But you really start to wonder how much more abuse his body can take as he's you know, still a young guy, but he's edging toward 30. Every time he comes back, he comes back stronger, though. Yeah, but I until it, he does it's a back it's always. a back injury, a, a third back surgery, and all of those missed games don't even mention the off season surgeries that that he's had. I, I think this has been a concern and almost an expectation when you think about Gronkowski's career that he's not going to be out there when he's thirty three, thirty four. I think you said this. I think he's the most valuable non quarterback offensive player in the league. So Jenga piece. It. It really hurts them. Does it mean that they have no chance to beat you know, a Raiders team or a Steelers team in the playoffs? No, I mean, I think they still have a chance. Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be yeah. a lot harder. What's, what 
what is in their favor is that the AFC, uh, the, the the Raiders are an exciting team. They are not a completely dominant team on both sides of the ball by any stretch. So it's and if it's, you're a team like the Steelers, for instance, all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, "Wow, if we can just get straightened out, get to the playoffs, anything's possible." Right, and the Steelers have been, if nothing else, a week to week proposition. I mean, you know, it's the Patriots. You get the Rams this week, the lowest scoring offense in the league. You're probably not going to run into too many problems outside of Aaron Donald smushing Tom Brady into the dirt. <laughs> Yes. Bring it back smush. I like that. I like that. Well, sure. It's well, a lot like last year where they kind of coasted into the playoffs even though they weren't playing well. You have a bye week. You have a you don't have as hard of an opponent in the divisional round as you do in the championship round. And the Patriots were fine until that championship round. Well, this AFC, I already thought it was wide open, and this just accentuates that. To me, the Patriots, no matter what shape they're in, they're not going to be that much better or, or better really than, let's say, Four, four or five teams are going to have a chance to win. But I do think the Patriots have a great chance to win the one seed. They're playing the Rams this week. The Patriots have beat the last two uh, Jeff Fisher teams that they've faced 104-7. to seven. Well, one of, them that's was, amazing. one of them was years ago. In the I know, but that's period. kind of an amazing stat. The last well, two Jeff Fisher teams, 104-7. to seven. This is a big <laughs> test for their offensive line, which has not played well the last two weeks, and you got to go up against Aaron, Aaron Donald. Donald put a hurt on Drew Brees. I mean, it's just it, it, you're one injury away if you're New England. But Jeff Fisher, by the way, one more loss guarantees a non-winning season for the seventh straight year. It's been a tough week. Uh, well, that's, it, it that has. says a lot. It has. This has been a, a tough week for Jeff Fisher, who is getting it from all sides. And then there was the uh, w- what came out yesterday with Fisher, where he was giving a essentially a, a public scouting report of the Patriots and referenced <laughs> Brandon and Danny as the Patriots running backs. Brandon Bolden, who has almost no role on this New England team. 12 snaps this year. And Danny Amendola, uh, excuse me, Danny Woodhead, who hasn't been on the team since 2012. I mean, it almost feels like a troll job, but if it's not, the guy's not doing his homework. That's the way it seems to everybody. I mean, he's going to have his team prepared for Aaron Hernandez this week, though. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Anything else about this game? Belichick showered Johnny Hecker with praise this week. Also, Jared Goff. Jared Hecker is an incredible, incredible funder. Um, he said that he was a absolute weapon uh, in the game, so maybe the special teams is where the Rams can think upset here, but the Patriots are in very good position to move to 10-2, and two, even with this terrible Fantasy game. hipsters this week. Uh, Who's that? Our friends on the fantasy and friends. Who uh, are they? Matt Franciscovich, fr- yes. the franchise, and Matt Harmon. Yes. Uh, they talked up Malcolm Mitchell, who I really think is coming on and is going to be a good – uh, player for the Patriots, and is going to be a big factor down the street. And they need him to. Beat yeah. Revis twice for touchdowns last week. Who didn't? Uh, well, last week. Okay. Just Malcolm Mitchell. <laughs> rookie, but many people over the course of the season. Rookie quarterbacks in New England during the Tom Brady-Bill Belichick era are 0-7 with a 51.7 passer rating and a 4-14 to TD to interception ratio. Mm. At Gillette. This yep. is almost a, a, good, a weirdly good test to see if the Patriots defense have any juice because – if if they do, you would think they just they they finally have a dominant performance this week. Rams are more interesting with with Goff, whether you like him or not. Made some I think throws. There, there is there is no question that they're more interesting to watch. Uh, one last note uh, over on the end around, I thought after the Gronk news to check in on the Patriots subreddit just to see how fans reacting. I'll, <laughs> I'll sample a few of these replies. What what Greg? But well, this makes my point you about you you enjoying uh, no, the injury. You check in. out big their- news in the NFL. Want to see how one of the most biggest, uh, most passionate fan bases react? Something you would do with no other team. <clears throat> I want to die. One reply. Uh, get ready for the bleeping here, Sydney. 
Madden curse. <laughs> Madden curse. Wait, go go back up to this one. Really oh. cracks me up. Oh. Every time I hear A.J. Derby's name called in a Denver game, I shake my head. He was doing pretty damn well for us in the preseason. Could have used him now. I like that guy. The funny thing is that's the regret. I, I've been feeling that, too. I was thinking, man, I wish they had A.J. Derby. Um, somebody, everybody's in on the Aaron Hernandez train. At least Jeff Fisher can start planning for Aaron Hernandez to play this weekend with Woodhead. Oh, now I hate that joke. <laughs> and then finally, what the f***? I'm panicking. Well, it's a tough situation. Had no idea that Boston fans were toxic slash reactionary. Somebody replied. <laughs> to, yeah, someone replied to that one, and I thought it was Sessler. The person replied, "I'm not. Nothing really matters. We're all going to die. We watch the sport of football to distract ourselves from our inevitable death. This means nothing to me." Well, wait. Maybe Wes posted his joke, and I posted that. Maybe we've just been, you know, dug in. Maybe. Masquerading as. Southeast. That's, like, that's like a favorite Patriots fan I've heard from in a while. I yeah. like that guy. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Falcons. This is a good matchup, gentlemen, uh, between two teams that seem to be heading toward the playoffs. And the Chiefs are really interesting to me, uh, Mark Sessler, because I thought uh, they were ready to go into a tailspin, and then they steal that game in Denver. And you never know how a game like that can catapult a team from confidence and, you know, from all sorts of ways, it really is a lift. Uh, how do you see the Chiefs coming into this game after that dramatic victory? You're right. I think that there's a lot to that. I mean, to have lost that would have been absolutely draining. To come out of that and say, look at us in the regular season, we really know how to string wins together. I, the team that is more interesting to me, though, consistently is the Falcons. And this seems to be, this is another case where the Falcons, number one scoring offense in the NFL, and the Chiefs since week six, week six, the number one scoring defense. We run into this week to week, and I cannot think of a time when the high-powered offense doesn't seem to win out in these matchups in today's NFL, and I think that will hold true again. I mean, for me, it's the Falcons, and we've in Wes, you caught on to this early in week one, two, and three, that they have so many different options and weapons when it's not Julio Jones that it's someone else. And I think that's pertinent this week because you got Marcus Peters, who has held DeAndre Hopkins, Brandon Marshall, Antonio Brown, Amari Cooper, T.Y. Hilton, Kelvin Benjamin to one total touchdown all year. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. But if you find a way, if he's even on Julio Jones the whole time, if you find a way to remove him to some degree, I think Julio had, what, 39 yards last week or something? Usually comes back big from those matchups. There are too many other people on this offense to attack you with. Taylor Gabriel, Mohamed Sanu, he had eight catches last week. The mm. best complimentary backfield in the league. And then you look across at the Chiefs, and without Jeremy Macklin and Jamal Torres, they have a horizontal offense. But They, they it, go across the field, not down the field. Right, which accentuates Alex Smith's problems. It, Jeremy Macklin did return to practice this week. Uh, so did D. Ford. I would say those are two of the five most valuable players on the Chiefs. So they deserve some credit for getting – Getting wins without those two, if they're both back this week, that gives them, you know, a much better chance. But I, I don't see them as some shutdown defense. I mean, they got some great players: Justin Houston, Marcus Peters, D. Ford. But I, I don't see them as a shutdown yeah, defense. Simeon, defense. Simeon just threw what for you, 300 you make, You're making a face yards. at me. Justin Houston was a shutdown player. They have got some shutdown players. They're a good defense. But to Mark's point, the, the better offense wins here. I don't think this is a great defense. It's a good defense. We don't get to pay close attention during the Sunday night games a lot because we're doing the podcast. I went back and watched Justin Houston's first half. It was crazy. I don't know if I've ever seen a one player impact a quarter 
like Justin Houston did in the second quarter, play after play after play, just blowing it, it up. For a guy that's been out for so long. Phenomenal. I, I, I think they they are the best pass-rushing duo now, along with Miller and whoever you want to put them with in Denver. I, I To me, Ford was a top six or seven pass rusher this year, and now with him in Houston, that's crazy. It, I still think they're going to get blasted by the, the Falcons. There's a crazy stat from our NFL research packet that Matt Ryan has one more career game than Alex Smith, and yet he has 10,000 more passing yards. What? What? <laughs> just, just a smidge under 10,000 more passing That's yards. That's And I mean, it's not shocking when you Part look at who Alex Smith Alex is. Smith career. 100%, but still, it's, it's, it's an alarming <sighs> figure. Well, because of games like last week, where it's not Matt Ryan's fault, he played well, it's amazing how little he did relatively to put up 38 points on the number one, in quotes, yardage defense and link. He didn't have to do that much. The thing I love, though, is they don't blink when it's fourth down. They just they just go for it. I mean, they're always, like, ultra aggressive. Uh, does anybody think the Chiefs could pull off uh, the win on the road here? I mean, it's possible. But they're they, they're they a quality team. No, I think the Falcons will win. They, they have been they a turnover machine. Too. I mean, they've, they've been taking the ball away from other teams. If they can somehow – Get into a situation where they get turnovers in key spots deep in in ter- in, in the opposite opponent's territory. They got a chance. Let's uh, move on, gentlemen. Uh, here is a good game. I'm excited about this one. The Detroit Lions are seven and four. Uh, they've played 11 games this year. They've been trailing in the fourth quarter of every single one of those games, and and yet. As we head into December, or we're now in December, they're in first place in the NFC North, one of the surprises of the season. Now they travel to the uh, to New Orleans, uh, Greg's uh, former uh, stomping grounds, as he's uh, wont to tell us over and over and over again. Uh, a 5-6 and six Saints team that just obliterated the soul of Jeff Fisher, uh, putting up 49 points. Uh, this is going to be a game, Chris Wessling, where we see a lot of points, right? I think it will, and you have two teams that are kind of mirror images of each other. A lot of the same strengths and weaknesses, but when you break it down, the Saints have a better quarterback, a better wide receiver core, a better running game, hmm. and I think even a better defense. I think the Saints do everything better than the Lions. Saints are up to 22nd in the Football Outsiders metrics on defense, which is a huge improvement, especially considering they were close to last about six or seven weeks ago. You know, for the last five or six weeks, this has been an above-average defense, and it coincided with the return of Connor Orr's boy, Sheldon Rankins. Their first-round pick has played Rank very bomb. well for them. That's How is that? Well, he wrote a, a nice feature. Oh, I, just, I didn't know he what was, was, he was thinking a big, those two. You're the thing. only person in America that didn't know that everyone knows about the Connor Orr-Sheldon Rankins connection. They love each other. Yeah. You just the whole podcast is shut down. I think this is this to me is two teams that <laughs> six or seven weeks ago I completely dismissed these two teams. Uh, a because they both play in a dome, but beyond that, I That's just didn't, I didn't like the way the Saints were put together for the 18th year in a row. But their offense is absolutely fascinating, and I don't understand. You know, they put up 42 points in 39 minutes against the Rams <laughs> last week, and it's not the only. That's not a. That's not an aberration. It's happened week after week. I don't know how Detroit. Who likes to get in these last second? We know all about the last second scenarios, the one-minute drill with Matthew Stafford, and credit to them for that. But how do you hang right. with the Saints' offense? If you, unless you can keep Drew Brees off the field, well, they don't have a ground game. They're that, a fast-moving offense. Last week, 
when the Saints were preparing for the Rams, I remember saying on this show, well, Saints are going to score at least 28 points here, and the Rams just don't have the firepower to get there, and that's how it played out. I still feel the same way here because, uh, uh, Greg, the Lions have not been as good on, on offense in recent weeks here, and I still I think the Saints are going to drop another 30-plus points, and I just don't think the, the Detroit Lions can keep up in this building. They scored one touchdown on offense against the Jaguars two weeks ago. That's at home. They scored one touchdown on offense at home against the Vikings. They have not been as good, whereas in their defense, which has looked better on paper, has played the Texans, the Vikings, the ja- a couple times with the Vikings, the Jaguars lately. So they haven't played a good offense lately, and that's why I'm feeling so good about this. Wait a second. Oh, oh no. That's why are I got a gonna, little feeling in my, gonna, in my, oh, in my no. soul. I'm going to lock it up. You're going to lock it up? <laughs> Wish that was on video. You locked it up? Locked it up in a big a special moment. One thing about that <laughs> wow. offense. One thing about that offense is not on Matthew Stafford. Hello. Not at all. Oh no, he's played great. His pocket movement is sublime. When you look at him versus somebody like Carson Palmer, who moved so well last year but isn't this year, he's purposeful in his movement. Carson Palmer's tentative, and Matthew Stafford, you can tell how confident he is in Cooter's offense, and he knows where he wants to go with the ball on on every play. I like that, Wes. Purposeful. And he by is the way, purposeful. The uh, lock of the week. There's a lot of pressure on everyone in this room, obviously, because we went a perfect four for four. Uh, and, you know, what do we get for that? That's the question. Well, I got to make an announcement because yeah. we did get a – there was some chatter about getting something tangible, and we talked about lollipops. Oh, yeah. And a, a wonderful guy, Benjamin David Dawes. That's his real name. Yes. At Sounds pa- like a professional wrestler. Greg, like this, at PatriotsFan1057 on Twitter, if you guys all want to reach out to him, but sent a box of lollipops and a lot of them. So they got spread around the newsroom. So we got a lollipop. You guys each had one. So we got lollipops. That's good. That's that's what it comes down to. I do to. it for free. I just feel good locking things up, leaving them in the vault. Here comes Sunday night. Open up that vault. Up. Oh, there you go. There's my reward. I like a tangible gift. Yeah, that's fair. Everybody's different. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, Benny. I hope you weren't on the Patriots subreddit. It got pretty dark in there today. Let's move on. The uh, Denver Broncos are 7-4, and four, coming off that very, very tough uh, home loss on Sunday night to the Chiefs. Now they travel. Here's a gift from the football gods. You get to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> However, a couple things here. And I, I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this um, the, down in the scientist lab. I know Blake Bortles threw for 126 yards last week. But I thought that he looked more like a real quarterback. They played the Bills pretty tough on the road. Trevor Simeon, I don't know if he's going to play in this game with a bad foot, so you got Paxton Lynch probably involved here, or there's a chance of it. Anybody smell an upset here? I'm not smelling an upset, but I get why you would say that. I thought the Jaguars game last week was their most impressive game of the season, especially their front seven, which swarmed to the ball, shut down the Bills for the entire first half, and the Bills got pretty lucky. They had a long punt return before halftime, and then LaShawn McCoy's 80-yard run right after halftime. Other than that, the Jaguars controlled the game. Throw out the Titans game, which which you can't. You know, it was on national television. I thought you were going to say throw out those <laughs> these records when these two teams get <laughs> no. together. Uh, and the Jaguars' <laughs> defense, I think, has played better. I think they've played pretty well over the last five or six weeks. You can kind of see what Gus Bradley wants to do coming together. Bucky Brooks uh, from the Move the Sticks podcast. Oh, yeah. He had Yannick Ngakwe as one of his top ten rookies in the entire league. He's made a big impact. Outplaying Dante Fowler, that's for sure. Right. He's playing really well. So you can see that they could give Paxton Lynch problems. Well, 
All right, number one. I Anyone think, could give practice. I think Trevor so. Simeon's going to play. That's just my okay. guess here on a Thursday. They talked about the fact that they have so much confidence in him that even if he doesn't practice, they'll throw him right in the game. They think he's been that smart. So let's just let's say that Love even, me some Trevor Simeon. even if that doesn't happen, this is a Broncos defense that leads the league in points off turnovers. They have battered quarterbacks right. and QB hits more than any other team in the league. And the and you cannot beat Denver if you don't get turnovers the other way. And the Jaguars have only one game in their last seven where they've even generated a turnover. <laughs> I think it's a disastrous matchup for I Blake agree. Bortles, to be honest. Well, I, it's a very tough match- matchup for him. One thing about Trevor Simeon, though, and I, I understand the optimism about him playing potential. But on Thursday, he's still in a, in a walking boot, hasn't practiced. So there there are, and he sprained the foot in overtime. Like a lot of people aren't, didn't know when that happened. Right. Overtime. So you and we didn't see him much in overtime. So we don't really know how bad this is. I think the Packers had kind of the their last stand type of they had to have a great performance. Let's see that out of this Broncos defense, especially if Paxton Lynch starts this game, which you know is going to hurt them. Let's see the Broncos defense be that incredible defense that won them a Super Bowl. Because think about the last three weeks, their pride should be a little wounded. They got run over by the Raiders. They gave up a 80-second, 90-yard drive to Drew Brees that should have lost the game in New Orleans when the chips were down. And they gave up three straight drives where they could have won the game against Alex Smith. I know they're playing well overall, but that's not a dominant, you know, greatest defense ever type of performance. I'm just looking up and down their schedule and outside of when they face the Texans, I wonder if this is the easiest duel against a quarterback they'll have all year. Well, I mean, yeah, Blake Bortles is just a worst. big hot mess. Right. So. You know, you may recall when I went down to my lab and did my studies, I came up saying it's very difficult for an all-time great defense to, to run the table a second time and play that well. Yeah. Maybe they're just not as good as last year, and we got to look at them from a different prism. Some interesting findings from you when you were hey, down there. Go down there, put on my goggles, figure things out. Regarding Blake Bortles, I think if you watch him play, his most effective play is a scramble. It's him running the ball, not him passing the ball. And I can see why, if you tuned in for a few plays here and there, the touchdown to Marquise Lee, the touch pass down the sideline that Alan Hearns dropped, you can say Blake Bortles is making progress. And then the next throw, his mechanics are a mess. He's so back and forth over the course of one game that there's no progress. I guess he was. I mean, the reason I thought he was better was that he wasn't destructive. He wasn't turning the ball over. He ran for 80 yards. He showed that ability to move, which we heard a lot about. And he did make some big throws. Uh, but obviously, I mean, they're expecting a lot more from the guy. All right. Here's one stat which illustrates how bad Blake Bortles has been, despite Gus Bradley's snake oil salesman attempt telling us that he's improved this year. That's just Gus Bradley. Is, Gus Bradley could lose 59 to nothing and be like, it's great out there. No, it's a sunny day. We're playing football. We're happy. You can defend Gus Bradley, but it's almost exactly how Dennis Allen used to act when he was a Raiders coach and tell people that Matt Schaub was up there with Phillip Rivers and Peyton Manning. It's the same crap. Blake Bortles has been the most regressed quarterback in the NFL this year, and Gus Bradley shouldn't be up there saying that. Allen Robinson, his first catch of the season over 20 yards last week. Last year he led the oh NFL. It's just That's so wild. crazy, the regression for the entire big play aspect of that offense. Blake Bortles' West, passer rating on downfield attempts now is 21. It's going like to be the year 2053. Dennis Allen will have just passed passed away sadly Wes is gonna like show up to the funeral right at the end and raise raise his hand and be like you guys remember when he when he compared Matt Schaub <laughs> to the rest of the AFC West quarterbacks like I'll, I'll be, never forget that I'll be like Hunter S. Thompson with Richard Nixon and point out I kicked that guy before he was down 
All right, have we gotten our Blake Bortles out of our system for the day? Can we move forward? Well, it doesn't get much better from here. All right, let's move on. The Houston Texans. That's right. what I meant. They travel to uh, Green Bay to face the Packers. Uh, interesting matchup. You got the, the, the Texans now 6-5, and five, not uh, playing well. Their quarterback admitted as much, again, that he's not making the throws he needs to make. And they now travel to Green Bay to face the Packers, who Mark Sessler played really, really well on Monday night, and Aaron Rodgers looks like Aaron Rodgers. That seems like a, a bad combination for Houston right now. I, I think this is, just like the last matchup we talked about, a good scenario for the, for the Packers. And I I don't want to put too much into a primetime win that we saw against the Eagles if you're Green Bay, but it's also, it completely, in my mind, blows up this semi-fantasy that I had that Green Bay was going to fizzle and just die because I'm a little sick of the Packers, to be honest with you. But you know what? It doesn't matter what I think about them. They are going to win this game, and that is why it's my – What? Are you going to? I'm going to do it. going to do It's all lock of the week. He's locking it up <laughs> in a big spot. Look at you coming all the way around on the pack. Well, you know what? Because you have to admit sometimes when your little personal campaigns – <laughs> are absolutely adding up to nothing. That's the case here. Well, I hope that wasn't a reference towards my Tom Brady prediction. but it No, it be. is a reference towards one of 12 or 13 <laughs> agendas I have that are failing this season. Hey, listen, we all have multiple failed agendas every year. But, uh, yeah, I think – that's pretty. That's pretty safe lock. I think that thing's gonna stay in that in, in that uh, safe, and it ain't coming out till Sunday night. Well, you know what, everyone's. If you're the Texans and you want to ride this thing, you're leading the division. We're gonna go into the playoffs. Then you've got to have one victory this season that impresses someone. This would be it if you go on the road. I don't. I'm not saying the Packers are playoff material, but to go into Green Bay the rest Bay of the AFC and get South it done, has beaten them. The Titans beat them. So get Col- it done if you're Col- worth it. My, my biggest concern watching the Packers, and they did have a really nice night in Philadelphia. But at one point, they're first in goal, and they're in shotgun, and they're throwing the ball, and then they actually get a touchdown on a rushing play on a trick uh, run by their fullback. But they don't have any running game at all. And they got a wide receiver that they might be using as a running back. And you got Eddie Lacy on IR and James Starks. I know Kristen Michael's in the mix, but we haven't seen much of him yet. Is he going to be able to absorb the playbook? I don't know. Mike uh, McCarthy said that he has picked up the offense in quotes really fast, which is total coach speak. We don't know what that means. Is, is C, Why didn't he give him more than one carry then? Well, it's, that's, my, that's my point. We don't know what's happening. James with Starks is averaging 2.47 yards per carry. But he Time can, to get rid of him. But he can block. And it sounds crazy, but as bad as their backfield is, that's more valuable to them than these so other guys who can't run. Passing downs. They do. I well, mean, the run game seems to be Aaron Rodgers skirting towards the sideline for 15, 14, 15 yards. I mean, yeah. the, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been the problem for a month, which we've talked about. The defense has. And now you can maybe they can start to build up some confidence, kind of start over from scratch because they get oh. another lackluster uh, opponent here in Brock Osweiler who – you know, statistically, is the worst oh, deep passing. I can't believe it. <laughs> is this the week, by the way, that we might finally get a chance to see? Tom Savage is oh, real. Wow. Again. Tom Savage is real. One more damn time. Tom Savage is real. Listen, listen, Houston. Do not sit on this mistake week after week. You still got a chance to go to the playoffs in a wide open AFC. You got to make a move. At what point do you sit down and have an honest conversation with yourself and say, look, this investment, we made a mistake. And we just watched Matt Barkley without the Bears' two top receivers, without two of their top offensive linemen, without their top tight end. You think they were firing up game pass? Move an offense down the field consistently in a game better than Brock Osweiler has all year. 
When do you have that conversation that guys who are journeymen third stringers, borderline out of the league, are better quarterbacks than your starter? Well, the problem is we don't know anything about Savage other than he looked promising in the preseason. So who knows? I mean, we believe he's a quarterback. Top Savage is real. Meanwhile, you're turning DeAndre Hopkins into the Oakland Raiders version of Randy Moss. Right. I I think Osweiler is – People are losing faith in Osweiler, whether it's his coaches or his teammates or whatever it is. Fans, I mean, how could you not at this point? I, I just think that the other side of it is you're six and five. If they if, if things start to slip away and you lose the division, As it starts right to go away. It, it's, it, they're still there, though. It's a backwards you, way to look at it. Well, Tom Savage probably helps your team be more competitive. But if, Tom but Savage is real. If you're Bill O'Brien – and if you're if you're the general manager, you have a lot of explaining to do if you bench this quarterback that you put this much money. What you're hoping for is that he strings together a couple wins that has us talking about him differently two weeks from now. One it's la- just not that time yet. One last note on Aaron Rodgers. If you remember you know, a few weeks back, the football cognoscenti was getting really excited, mm. pulling out uh, split stats. Oh, Aaron Rodgers has put up the same numbers as Brian Hoyer in his last 18 games. Well, since week seven, Rodgers has the most completions – Passing yards and passing touchdowns, seventeen in the NFL. So, I you know I, take that cognoscenti, cognoscenti, and you know what, Wes? You, I will say this, and this isn't even this isn't a shot at you or anything, but you said last week that you think there's a chance that maybe we've seen the best of Aaron Rodgers. I still believe that. I don't think so. I I think that the Aaron Rodgers so that special. I saw in 2014 was the best quarterback I've ever seen. I don't expect Even that, that to... version of 2014 Aaron Rodgers would be impressed by the second touchdown pass he threw to Devontae. If he could Adams. play like he played last week every week, then you know, then you're cooking. I'm concerned gas. they're going to be in the NFC title game. <laughs> concerned, I like it. The, hey, I, that was a fun team to watch Monday night. I think they're fun. I just think Aaron Rodgers involved with the tent and everything. <laughs> More tent stuff, Mark. Enough. Let's move on. The Philadelphia Eagles, the team that got defeated by. Um, or was defeated by Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Monday night. Now five and six, so long ago. And you want to talk about you know bright spots for Mark Sessler? Uh, not so long ago, the the Eagles were three and zero, and Carson Wentz was the hot new kid on the block. Now the Eagles are five and six, and Carson Wentz is quietly playing terrible for about a month straight. And uh, now they go to. I disagree with that. Yeah, I do too. I I don't see a bright spot on if you're rooting against Carson Wentz. But continue. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Deep in your heart. I know what's going on in your head, Mark. I know what's going on. I think he's I think he's gonna be a great quarterback. That's what I, I think. I know what's going on in your mind. He just looks he looks to me like I, I think Carson Wentz is gonna anyway. have a great career anyways. Okay. All right. Five and six Eagles at three seven and one Bengals. Uh mm. I don't know. Somebody make this game exciting. Chris Wesley. All right, let's let's flip forward. Let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. This game's not going to really have any impact on the playoff picture. But chances are, seeing the talent on both of these sides of the ball, maybe not so much on offense in Philadelphia, one of these two teams is going to be back in the playoffs next year. Which team has the easier fix for 2017, do you think? I think since – well, that's a good one. It's a great question. Which has the easier fix, you say? Like, which which one has a back. better chance to like reload the roster and come back really strong? I'd say Philadelphia year. because I like their defensive core. I think they have the quarterback. And there's less uncertainty, I believe, than with the Bengals. I, I still wonder what's going to happen with, with this Bengals front office and coach and everything. I don't know that it's all going to be the same next year. They almost equally, outside of A.J. Green, have to rebuild their passing game. 
they're, they're I, I but they lo- got the number one guy in place. It's a lot easier. They do. Job they do. I think guy. the Bengals have been so consistent that you have to trust their ability to draft and also continue to work with I, some of their young players. I trust Wentz's upside a little better than than Andy Dalton. I do too. certainly long term, but even maybe next year. You guys laughed at me last week. They said this is going to be the toughest six weeks of his career. He's melting a little bit. We did. I mean, you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just were saying. Saying that, like, it's I didn't not, think it was going to be easy. None of it's on him, and and I oh, don't know. No, I don't he's, think it's on him. But he, I think it's a little bit now. I he's mean, he's never think, really made his teammates better. They make him better, right? And so, I, I think if he hadn't built up all that goodwill, like this is a tough situation for him, and I think it, it shows his limitations just a little bit. He's not going to be able to improve his teammates. We're like talking about said. Wentz, no Dalton. Dalton. Oh, I was I talking about Wentz. Dalton is underrated in pre-snap. He's a very smart quarterback. That is one of the things that. He made a lot of mistakes early in his career, and now he's a very yeah. smart quarterback. But physically, he's not – without A.J. Green, he's not one of the top right. ten quarterbacks he, in the NFL. He's not – I shouldn't – he's not one of the reasons they're they're struggling, but I don't know. You, I still think there's got to be a part of you, if you're a Bengals fan, that wants a little bit more. They've what? got a lot to work on. I don't think the quarterback situation is something you, you'd change in Cincinnati at all. Tell, I, me, tell me what the numbers are not telling us about Carson Wentz since week six. 29th in yards per attempt. 25th in passing yards per game, tied for last in touchdowns, 31st in passer rating. I think what it's not telling you, he has the worst wide receiver core in the league, not just from a talent perspective, but from a make-mistakes perspective and an offensive line that lost its right tackle, one of the guards, right. and has been mixing they, in guys. Left. I, I think when you watch it, you can really put so much on his teammates and, and the conservative way they coach, and that he still shows you things that are impressive. They've had banged-up backfield as well, and – you know, outside of what Treggs, they haven't had a downfield element <laughs> at all. Count. No, but I'm just saying that that was the only thing they even tried. That they had, they, they, it's part of the scheme. It's not that he can't throw the ball deep. We know he can. Let's move on. The Miami Dolphins. Oh, the surging Dolphins who have won six games in a row. They have not won seven in a row since 1985. They haven't been to the playoffs since 2008. And it's all there for them now as we enter uh, December. Uh, they now travel to Baltimore to face the Ravens. The Ravens have won four of five after a four-game losing streak. They're coming off uh, that win against Cincinnati where Justin Tucker just went off and basically won the game uh, by himself with his right leg. The Dolphins uh, hung on to beat the 49ers uh, in a game that Ryan Tannehill looked very good again. Greg Rosenthal, your thoughts on this game? I want to see the Dolphins keep it up against – a good defense on the road. Looks like the Ravens are going to get Jimmy Smith back. One of the things I really liked from the Dolphins last week is that with a banged up offensive line where they couldn't get anything going in the running game, they really let Ryan Tannehill try to win the game, that they were aggressive. And I thought Adam Gase has been coaching around Tannehill earlier in the season, maybe not being as aggressive. It actually didn't work totally. That's part of the reason why San Francisco came back. But I like that he showed the confidence and Tannehill's playing to that level, to earn that confidence. I really fell for the Dolphins last week. I know it was only the 49ers. I think differently about this team now, and it has to do with their last two draft classes on offense. Devontae Parker looks like an absolute stud. The two catches that he he had, one toenail out of bounds on a touchdown catch and another deep sideline catch, the leaping ability and the dexterity he showed was phenomenal. He's been great for a month. He's been making the leap you know, late 
later than we expected. But that his thing is injury, and he, he hurts his back in that game. He might not play this week, and that that's kind of been the, the problem with Devontae Parker. That's fair. I, I don't hate this matchup for Miami at all because I know you're on the road, but I look at Baltimore, and if you can score three touchdowns, you probably take out the Ravens almost any week. I mean, they're just not a – they don't have the ability to produce points and bunches. We saw last week – that game last week was a great example that their most valuable player – is is Tucker. I get I mean, so frustrated watching the Ravens because yeah. I'm waiting for them to unlock the potential they have on offense. They need they can run the ball, they just won't do it. You look up and almost every week Terrence West and Kenneth Dixon are averaging four, four and a half yards per carry. Bashad Perriman came within similar to Devontae Parker, came within an inch or two of making two spectacular. They gotta unlock plays. him. He looks like a player and he, he does seems underused. But Mike Wallace and Steve Smith are playing well, too. They're not the problem. It's just that if you don't have a running game, you're not opening up your passing It's weird. Game. They they ran a jet sweep, I believe, on the goal line, on, on like the one or two-yard line. It just That's something that shows no confidence in your ability to just run the and, ball straight. And you straight fired away. your offensive coordinator specifically to fix these issues, and there's no apparent visible difference between the Mark Tressman that's offense true. and the Marty Morningweg offense. The, it's, um, it's the same thing. The bar is really low for Joe Flacco right now because he has been better the last three weeks. It's kind of sad that the bar is this low to the to almost to the Bortles point where it's like he hasn't hurt them the last three weeks. He played pretty well against Dallas. He played pretty well last week. But it's like you would like a little more out of your $25 million guy. Would you be scared? This Ravens run defense is right now on pace to be – better at stopping the run than the 2,000 Ravens defense. What? Wow. Really? It's it's very close. I got to look at the exact numbers, but it's very close. I mean, if you take that away from the Dolphins, that's how the Ravens have been in some of these games. I would say that's a misleading stat from this point of view. That 2,000 Ravens defense kept getting better and better and better and more yeah. shut down throughout the course of the season and was playing better in January. Well, they were outscoring their offense in the playoffs, right. the 2,000 Ravens. I mean, I'm, I'm all in on Jay Ajayi. I think Kansas is, too. I mean, Jay, Jay Ajayi, every time I watch him, even when he's got bad numbers, I, I think... They'd probably be 8-3 right now. He's leading they, the uh, league. realized and, it sooner, but... What he, about your boy Henry Hodgson, Dan? We, you had, we had a chat with him downstairs. Where's he with the Dolphins? Uh, he's taken some of my comments personally on the podcast uh, recently, but, you know... Really? I, I told him that it's, uh, you know, it's all in fun, but I do... I'll, I'll tell you what. Uh, same thing I said uh, last show. Uh, the Dolphins in December, uh, they're bumps. Uh, historically, no. Yeah, so, oh, it doesn't matter. It's a different year. These things different carry coach. over. There's a culture in place in Miami. And ha- now comes the time for Miami to show the world that they can win big games in December, which they haven't done in decades. And guess what? It's not starting on Sunday. Oh my and God. I am so confident wow. that this cute little <laughs> no, six-game winning streak, I didn't take – I said you guys take that fork away from the Dolphins. Oh, don't hit they him, are, Dan. They are going to – they are going to give, go on a little run, get everybody excited. Please, hands just they don't hurt them. To, they are going to crumble, and the crumble starts <laughs> on Sunday because in Baltimore, I'm locking it up. <laughs> Lock it up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> they going down. That wasn't just oh. you yelling. You had the hands gestures. Your face was contorted. That was the most fired that up I've seen. I like that handsome. Hey, yeah, that was, excuse me. That, that felt was personal. supposed. I was setting you up to hand an olive branch to yeah. your British friend, <laughs> yeah. and I'm, you've taken him down. Imagine. I like them onions. I imagine him taking that personally. That's no weird. onions. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs>
don't you know. Big onions, it's you gotta get on big onion plants. This Dolphins, Dolphins team is different. They've outscored we'll opponents see. by 44 points They're in the second Adam half Gase, of the game. They're the closers. They're closers. They closed out your I Jets. Will be, They're if, closers. If the Dolphins win and move to 8-4, and four, I will. I, the charade will end, and I will say I was wrong, and this is a real team, but let's see them do it. Let me ask you, so you don't like the culture in Miami. Would you flip everything about the Dolphins head to toe Ownership right down to the last guy in the roster with New York's Ooh. operation at not this point. Not in a second. Do I want Gloria really? Stefan in my meeting room deciding on who goes to draft <laughs> She there? is not Hard deciding pass. that. And the sound machine. Hey, should we take a guard in round three? Saxophonist of the sound machine of Miami. No. Hard pass. <laughs> I don't know. that You're certain that's how, how decisions are being I'm taking that Dolphins there. roster. A lot better. Oh, yeah. Oh, better. yeah. No, it wasn't just the roster. It's well, the whole a- circus. Maybe the Jets no. are circus too. Who cares? About you could get Mikey T back in your life. All right, here we go. Ooh, that's, that's true. true. <laughs> I do like Mike T. Podcast list. He's a fan of the show. Uh, let's move on. The worst game of the year: the one and ten San Francisco 49ers at the two and nine Chicago Bears. Uh, Colin Kaepernick playing well lately, um, and the 49ers have been hanging around against some good competition. Those unbeatable Dolphins uh, came within about a yard and a half of going to <laughs> overtime with a 1-9 and nine team last week. Uh, so San Francisco showing signs of progress, Mark, and uh, Chicago still has Matt Barkley. Jay Cutler officially moved to IR on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, you could look at this game and say, don't even turn on your television. Go get in your car, drive around, whether it's San Francisco or Chicago. Just avoid or this matchup. Or watch another game. Flip or watch another yeah, game. Another That's you, that technology allows for that now. Totally. You're fair. <laughs> yeah, just maybe avoid the whole thing. But, you know, think about this. If you watch football, in the, if you care about football in the offseason, if you cover football, and, and if you're into the draft, one of these two teams has a very good chance to be written about 75,000 times if one of them grabs the number one pick. And the winner of this is screwing themselves out of the number one pick. So I hope that whichever franchise it is, you know, assuming if the Browns got a win and one of these two teams can claw back into that number one position, you are taking a little cheap December victory over the number one player in the draft. Good luck to you. You want to talk about culture? That's culture. Well, two things. You want the Niners, obviously. Right. The Bears aren't getting the one pick because the the Browns would need to win two games. That's tough. You're in good position there. The second point, and I will – not to Don't count too, out a Cleveland surge down the stretch. Not to get Cleveland. too too Love far off it. base, but you're very excited about getting the number one pick like this is an Andrew Luck season. Who is this no, like I'm golden not. number it's, one player? I'm not for a quarterback. I'm not for a quarterback. That that reminds me, though, you know, you no one knows anything. P- Peter Schrager um, of Fox made, made a great point down at the Senior Bowl last year. And NFL week. media. And NFL media, Good Morning Football, yes. of course, uh, also has his own podcast. Okay, um, you took it too far. Now. You have now promoted <laughs> three podcasts. Uh, um, great job. He made the point at the Senior Bowl last year. The whole thing was uh, there's no quarterbacks this year. You know who was there? Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Cody Kessler, Jacoby oh, Brissett, if you want to throw that well, in there. Well, I'm the just ca- saying they the were carrot, there. The carrot and the stick from Rosenthal there, plugging uh, Schrager constantly and then banging with, oh, but you didn't know anything about the quarterback. But, but no, he though. was saying that. He was saying that was that was the talk in the Super oh, Bowl when oh, he was there. Like, think how wrong we were. Right in front of our eyes is, is Dak Prescott, is Carson. You know, you never know. I talked to Daniel Jeremiah this morning, and he talked about that there's certain – he you know, it I'm takes forever to go through. He's just in our office. <laughs> 
He, you know, please. But uh, you, you're, he, they, they go study every Name one dropper. of these players in depth, in depth, right? So he hasn't even gotten to some of the quarterbacks yet. When you ask him, what do you think? He's like, that's still on my list. He's going to get to it soon. That's so true of so many scouts as well and head coaches and GMs. Well, that's one way to think about it is only quarterbacks. But think about it like this. What if there's a Joey Bosa who – is absolutely worthy of a number one overall pick. What about JJ? Uh, the next JJ Watt, the next you know absolute shutdown cornerback, Ezekiel Elliott, someone like that. This 49ers offense, 475 yards in two of the last four weeks. They're getting better. I think they're going to get this win for you, Mark. Well, and that's almost going to guarantee the Browns the one. Kaepernick, from a fantasy angle, you like Kaepernick, but he has more rushing yardage since week six than Lashawn McCoy. Wow. He's an incredible and his runner. Own, and his he's own in backfield. that mix. He's in. He's an incredible runner. I know that you can't build an offense totally around that, but he's one of the best running quarterbacks of all time. Last week was the best ball placement he's had in two years. I thought he looked really good, and he's running Chip Kelly's offense pretty well. I'm not saying they should count on him being the quarterback next year, but this is a much more scary team than the Matt think, Barkley led Chicago Bears right now. I agree, and think of how much you were we were burying him last year. But this is a guy who's shown some pocket movement. It's, he's working with Joel Chipper. Okay. Let's move <laughs> you're, like, you're like way too much time. Dan buying none of this. Well, I just went, went about 30 seconds. Too yeah, much. we're uh, we're, we're, we're a little behind the, pace this the week. The Buffalo Bills, they are traveling to Oakland to face the Raiders. Uh, the Bills at 6-5 and five, right in the, in the mix of things in the AFC playoff picture. The Raiders, you know, talk about teams that really stand to benefit from Gronk being out of the picture. All of a sudden, their chances of uh, getting that number one seed certainly went up. Uh, now that uh, the Patriots lost their greatest weapon uh, on offense for Tom Brady. Uh, but here we are now for the Bills, who you know probably can't afford to lose this game. This is a big game, Chris Wesseling, for the Buffalo team. It is, and they better play better than they did last week when they barely beat the Jaguars because the Raiders are for real. And I know they've had a lot of close, close game luck, but a lot of that they're making on their own. And Derek Carr... I'm watching this game, and I think for the first time in his career, it's fair to wonder whether you want to build a team around Derek Carr or Cam Newton. Hmm. Derek Carr's quick. Why those two? Just because they were playing. Because they were playing against each other. Derek Carr's lightning quick release, which is Aaron Rodgers-like, his ability to put the ball in his receiver's hands anywhere on the field, changing speeds, fastball touch. Cam Newton doesn't do any of these things, really. Hmm. I think it's fair to say I'd rather build around Derek Carr. He's, to me, emerged as – easily a top seven or eight quarterback. Their offense is producing in similar ways as New Orleans, Atlanta, and Dallas right now. Their yes. defense has some, and, and the Bills some wild defense, stuff going on. Which started out well has not been a great defense. I think it could it can step up in a given week, but this is a, a huge test when you have to play uh when you have to play the Raiders who just have, you know, Playmakers coming out of out of anywhere. And the Raiders' defense is improving. Last week they allowed 32 points. That's what the box score will show. They held Carolina to their fewest first half yards in two years. You know, hey, hey Raiders. You know, let's win a let's win a game by two scores. This is a game I think you could. Tyrod Taylor played played well last last week. But he, oh, he, he used stuff right there. He holds the ball. <laughs> Not good enough to be nine and two. You must obliterate your opposition. Well, you know. They had to come back against the Texans team. They have to come back against the Panthers team. That's all great. I mean, it's, it's fun. But they're 10th in scoring di- differential. They don't really have the profile of, of a great I, team. So I think you, you got a guy, Tyrod Taylor, t- just holds the ball forever. You got Khalil Mack. You got Bruce Irvin. Like, swipe the ball I, out, score some I points. I would say it's that the Raiders, though, this is a season of transition where, A, you're learning to win. I, that's It's not as easy to yep. do. It's a lot of the same players from last season. 
and learning to blow people out the same way that some of you're not saying blow people out, but how about not have to come back versus every like, sub 500 team? That's fair. The yeah. Raiders, by the way, have not been in the playoffs since the 2002 season. Checking back in on the end around here. Here's some of the artists that were in the top 15 uh, uh, of Billboard the last time the Raiders were in the playoffs. Wes, let me know which one of these bands you've heard of or acts. Nickelback. Yep. Ashante. Oh, yeah. Nelly. Yes. Kelly Rowland. Yes. She used to be in uh, Destiny's Child. You're flying. Wow. Bonus points. Band called Calling. Don't know any. No one's heard of that. Vanessa Carlton. Yes. Yes. Linkin Park. Unfortunately, yes. Fat Joe. I vaguely recall Fat Joe. Wasn't he like friends with... Big uh, Pun. Yeah, he was buddies with Black Rob. Big Pun? I just made that up. Big Punisher, yeah. I Big know Big boys. Pun. Yeah. Usher. Oh, yeah. It's 7 o'clock on the dot. I'm in my drop top <laughs> cruising the street. Puddle <laughs> of the Mud. song, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I know Puddle of Mud. Avril Lavigne. You do oh, yeah. good. Skater I don't know boy. Puddle of Mud. Ja Rule. Yep. Jimmy Eat World. Yes. Look at you. I, I mean, knew everyone. Well, this is, well, this is culturally, it's ago. not that long ago, though. It's not like let's. What's what was hot when the Jets won a Super Bowl? Let's go well, to that. that I, mean, I would have a better. Ago. I would have a much better chance that's of telling you yeah, the top hits from '67. That's more in Wes's wheel. Buffalo right Springfield. Now. Come on, let's get it. But uh, th- those artists are mostly done and gone. Almost all of them. It's been a long time. Well, that's about that's the last. Roll. When was the last time the Bills won a playoff game or made the playoffs? 2000 season. Right. Can so I even who is the last time? Cleveland even even longer. If they can win, it's with their running game. Best running game in the league. There's a chance they could control the game with their running game. Dan, can I borrow one of your catchphrases? Sure, sure, sure. Come back to us, NFL coaches. Come back to us with these challenges. Rex Ryan's done with his challenges before the end of the second quarter. Jim Caldwell and Doug Peterson ought to be fired on the spot for challenging a two-yard completion and leaving himself with nothing for the rest of the game. These guys are so obsessed with controlling every play in a game, you got to let go. Let go. Allow the game to happen. Save your challenges for when they might help you. Greg. Thank you. That was good, Wes. I totally agree with you on that. Khalil Mack, nine sacks this season, tied for six in the NFL, earning that spot oh, Sunday yeah. Night Football. He, uh, he's earned it. He's earned it. Michelle Tafoya. Quiet month or two, but that, that play last week is one that people re- remember. If he can have a strong finish, he's going to be in the mix for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know how that Khalil happens Mack? on this defense. Does anybody know if um, – eh. I'm not saying he, he deserves it right now, but if he can have a strong finish and make some I plays love, like that. I love Khalil Mack. Look at his career and how often he picks on terrible offensive linemen to get his sacks. Speaking of offensive linemen, Raiders offensive line, we talked about it on this podcast a few times, but one of the most underrated units in the league. Let's maybe get the best more attention. In, yeah, maybe the best are right there in pass protection. They haven't really run the ball in a couple anybody, weeks. I mean, at all. Anybody want to hang some money in and pick the Bills? No. No. Nope. Okay. Moving on, the New York Giants are 8-3. and three. Uh, They are on a streak themselves, having uh, won, I believe, six in a row. It's either five or six in a row for the Giants. Anybody want to jump in? I think it's five. How about the old host? It's a lot five. in a row. All right. Too many. Pretty sure it's five, but I'm okay. not sure. Okay. Thank you. I will get on that. Wow. Uh, they travel to – how many have put the Giants one in a row? Let's go right here. This is how many in a row right, they've all won. On the it show? is six yes. in a row. Six in a six row. Six wins consecutively. Well, that was a little test of a you know, little support system. No supports. I had no I was, net. No I, net there. I was good. Did I get you an answer? You Googling. got it. To me. All right. Now, it was more Greg. He's being a little salty about it. I was trying. That's why. Just, <laughs> no, but you're also quick. You're throwing shots, and you're saying, will this be in the show and all that. 
Six in a row. Well, now it's well, got to talking about Now wasting, it has to stay in the show. You were talking about wasting 30 seconds a little while ago. Here waste we go. This. Waste this. <laughs> Dan raises his fist to Greg's face. <laughs> the eight and three Giants, the winners of six in a row, travel to Heinz Field to face the six and five Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, it's a tough game for Kate Mara, uh, Mark Sessler. Um, her daddy's family owns the Giants. Mommy's family owns what the Steelers. What a tough world. Well, yeah. I think it's – or it's an embarrassment of riches. Well, yeah. Um, but this game, this is an interesting game, uh, Greg Rosenthal, between a Giants team that we still don't know if they're for real at 8-3 and three, and a Steelers team that has to be looking at themselves in the mirror and saying, we need to make a run because we got a chance that we can get into the playoffs. And they've started their run by really changing their profile on offense. And maybe it's because they played the Browns and they played Scott Tolzien, but they went ball control the last... Scott Tolzien. <laughs> Scott Tolzien. <laughs> Forgot about that. that Sydney good. earning that new money. <laughs> New money. <laughs> they they really have centered their offense more than ever around Le'Veon Bell, and that is a smart move because Le'Veon Bell might be better than ever. Le'Veon Bell might be my favorite player in the NFL at this point. Whoa, look at you. Tom Brady's I mean, like, fun to watch, uh, that hesitation hop. He's crazy because, you know, you see all these guys who have, you know, run with the ball or do it, and they're all on some level similar to each other. There's no one like Le'Veon Bell. Like he he almost he dances out there. It's almost like he's taunting people. Mm. Like well, he crosses them over. I mean, he makes people look bad. And he's he's so good at, as a receiver. And it's just been all Bell lately. And I don't know. I love I love this guy. Man. He makes me want to use a word I've never used before. Sinewy. Ooh, Ooh I like that. Sinewy. Sin- How do you say that? Sound, sound He's like the Matrix. He looks like yeah, he's going through the yeah. Matrix with people going well, by him. There are so many running backs that have to learn to show patience, and he's got incredible patience. I don't and think I've ever seen a running back with his level of patience. You, you know, talk Mark, about that Browns game, and it was like it was, he was just he. They, they he also was, do you remember when I said they ran a basically a preseason like offense? <laughs> it was like they had an eight play playbook. Six of them involved Le'Veon he, Bell. He puts on a show. I, I, I mean, who knows? I don't know what's in his head, but he looks like a guy who kind of likes putting on a show. Like he, he's just got he's just inside his body. To quote NFL <laughs> Network's Greg Rosenthal, he's wildly patient. He's wildly <laughs> uh, Wes, this is your chance now to bury the Giants. <laughs> we that well, age is yours. We that predictable? <laughs> I found another reason. Okay, go ahead. First of all, winter is coming, and Sunday is the first snow <laughs> of the year. Is this is new? <laughs> yeah. Sunday's the first snow of the year. To the extent that. Oh, what? No. no. In a big spot? In a big spot. An 8-3 team on a six-game winning streak? I'm going to lock it up. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Okay. Okay. Whoa. It's like cars on the highway, you know, going right off the road into nothing. Sydney, <laughs> this is what I need you to do, Sydney. I know we're not taping this segment, but you need to clip off the video of Wes's face as he was doing that. Make sure we get our hands on it, all right? Oh, yeah. That needs to be seen. It's like, it's like we've been cranking that. With slow motion reactions. We've been cranking that segment up week after week after week, and then finally we found out what's too much. That was too much. And iron- ironically, it was Wes that took it to the max. Took it past 11. I loved it. Well, you know my feverish uh, <laughs> attitude toward this this segment. I just love it. Yeah. Well, it's this segment and then a, a new being involved. It's like, whoa. What's uh, what's wrong with Eli Manning's arm? Mm. It's weak. Interesting. Remember a few years ago when he had that. tired arm? Why is he missing so many throws and under-throwing receivers? Could it be the same thing creeping up again? Looks pretty weak to me. I mean, he's... 
what? He's not having a good year. Has that popped up anywhere? He's having Any a third... reports on his arm or anything? I haven't heard anything. No. I just noticed that he's underthrowing. The ball dies in midair he's too thir- many times. He's 35 years old. He plays in, in some bad weather situations. Maybe he just doesn't have the same juice. If you read a lot of history books detailing a certain season in the life of an NFL team, quarterbacks deal with in-season arm injuries or tiredness or fatigue way more often than we think. Yeah. I, Not advertised. I mean, right. he's, he's a guy, if you watch every snap all year, that's so much worse to me than his numbers. I mean, I know you guys think I bury Eli, but I just think that's true. I don't think, think he's playing that well. He played better last year. Oh, yeah, by far. Right. Well, this is the problem. When he's actually not playing well, it's okay to talk like this, but you say that when he's playing well as, as well. Well, you know, Odell Beckham's going to carry him for a while. Well, well, we'll use that same argument when Brady goes in the tank without Gronk. Any concern, Greg, that your boy, JPP, might cause some problems for the Steelers? He's had what? How many sacks over the last two weeks? Five and a half. Oh, yeah. I'm conceding that. Oh. That sandwich. <laughs> when, when I saw him pick up that ball and race toward the end zone, I was like, that guy's running away with my sandwich. He's, <laughs> he's gonna, Does he's anything that happened against the Browns count in this contest? Uh, he's been pretty dominant the last uh, month. Yes. Yeah. He, he will be the highest paid seven-figured man. Well, seven figures for a seven-fingered man. Whoa! That's pretty cool, actually. Synchronicity. You just fell right into that. That was beautiful. Sometimes, sometimes it just happens. Anything else about this game? Yeah, it's locked up. I, you know what, Wes? I'm, I think the Steelers will win, too. I think it's a good lock. Well, I don't want to ruin your positive feeling towards our winning streak on lock, so I'm yeah. trying to play halfway seriously. Yeah, thank you, Wes. Appreciate that. So you're going trying along to get the spirit you. of it. I like it. It's, like it's the holiday season, Wes. Christmas miracle. Let's move on. The Washington Redskins with Kirk Cousins. You know, JPP is going to get paid, but that ain't going to be nothing compared to the money Kirk Cousins is going to get if he keeps on playing like this. The Redskins 6-4-1 and one, and all of a sudden have one of the best offenses in the entire NFL travel uh, to Arizona to face the Cardinals, who once upon a time, you know, not so long ago, this time last year, were the team that everyone envied uh, when talking about offense. Uh, Mark Sessler. Uh, are, do we have any reason to expect that the Redskins won't keep rolling and that the uh, – or won't keep rolling, they lost their last game, but they will take care of business against a flawed Arizona team? Well, I mean, the Redskins have their flaws too, and this is – you know, the Cardinals' defense, as much as their offense last year was just taking teams apart, it's their defense that's carried them, if you want to call them – I'm not sure they've been carried anywhere, but they have, you know, what would be the number one defense in the league in some categories – so, yeah, this game concerns me. It's on the road, and I, I wonder if that Cowboys game took a lot out of this Redskins team. I, I really find myself fascinated by the Redskins. I'm rooting for them unapologetically to make the playoffs and face Dallas again. But this game, to me, is a scary proposition. Mm. I'm not scared. I wouldn't be scared of the Cardinals anymore. How are the Card- By the way, Cardinals? They're 20th in points scored. They have the number, yeah. they have the number one defense statistically in the league. And they have David Johnson, who's played every bit as well as you uh, would have expected entering the season. So they have essentially the best all-around running back yep. and the number one defense, and yet they're in nowheresville at 4-6-1. and one. How, how much does that say about the rest of but the that's, team? It's a fraudulent number one defense. In no way are they the best defense in the league. That's why they went to Atlanta and gave up 38 points last week. You know, they're 11th in giving up uh, points allowed. Yards, is, is a, it's a weird measure because ultimately yards are – they're kind of important, but they're not that important. It's a good defense, but I, I trust great offenses this year. We keep saying it over over good defenses, yeah. and the Redskins have a great offense. When you, you asked about their offense, I don't 
I, I think we've talked about this. The way their offense is put together right now, David Johnson is doing so much, and we talked. He's got the highest you know floor of any running back in the league, right up there with Le'Veon Bell. But it, it's almost like, come on, find some help for him outside of this. They built this team for their passing game to be the strength, and Michael Floyd and John Brown are two of the most disappointing players in the NFL. They both have hamstring injuries again this week. Patrick Peterson has a knee injury; he hasn't practiced yet. This isn't a very good team. Who's the best team the Cardinals have beat this year? Hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week two by far. The other three wins. Should have beat the Patriots. The other three wins are the 49ers twice and the Jets. Right. Last week, I think they got a pretty good game out of Carson Palmer, and yet it didn't matter because of what you said. They're they're a sloppy team. You know, if it wasn't Bruce Arians, you know, people would be saying – you know, it's a sloppy kind of not p- poorly coached team. It's a lot of un- they are poorly coached. It's a lot of unforced errors. Well, I don't want to say that because I he's think a he- good coach. That doesn't mean that they're the coaching staff is overseeing a team making killer mistakes right. every week. It's they're a, a good lot of team penalties. And a good coaching staff having a bad year. Right. That's it's a lot of drops. It's a lot of penalties. It's a lot of lining up it's, wrong. It's a lot it's of not picking Bruce, up blitzes. It's now Bruce Arians calling out players. There's all kinds of finger pointing going on now. And maybe, and this is something, Mark, you touched on, and and now there's been two health situations. How much has that played into what's going on uh, with Bruce Arians, you know, and the coaching staff that the coach is not physically well? We'll see. Well, and the the elephant in the in the room in terms of like the NFL rumor mill and all this. Why is no one report you know talking about this yet? Is 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 Carson Palmer going to retire? That's the that's a big question. Guaranteed a lot of Why money. Why would anybody say that? I think a I, lot I of hear a lot think. of people talking about that, and there's no reason to believe Such it. Such a big question that we don't even have the time to answer it. Let's <laughs> move on to the Rosie Bowl. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers six and five at the five and six San Diego Super Chargers. The Chargers need the win, Greg, to keep their season alive. You've predicted they finish ten and six and go all the way to the playoffs. Well, they're going to have to do it at the expense of your boy, Jameis Winston. Yeah, I think they will. I think their defense is rounding into form. Uh, they're healthier at linebacker with, with Perriman back, and Joey Bose has been incredible, and Melvin Ingram. And I, I don't count the Bucks out of any game at this point after the performances they had the last two weeks. I'm looking forward to watching this one. You guys can have your fancy 425. Is this a 425 game too? It is. You know, you can have your Giants and Steelers with the whole country is going to be watching. I'm going to be locked in to two quarterbacks who aren't afraid to throw the ball into tight windows, who aren't afraid to be fired up on the field and fired up, fire up their teammates. It's going to be fun. I'm with you. This game is, is interesting. I, I watched the, uh, the Chargers-Texans game and thought Casey Hayward for San Diego. He's been playing great. I mean, this defense, the defense of San Diego has been an issue for so long, and now it's it's the opposite. They have got a lot of young players that uh, make them quite interesting. Joey Bosa was the best player on the field last week. Yeah, not by a little bit. He's already a guy that you watch him on every snap, mm-hmm. like he's J.J. Watt, and he he is that like Khalil Mack type of player where if you hit on him in the draft, changes the outlook of your whole franchise. I, it's crazy, but Rivers. I think next year, we'll see what happens the rest of this year. This is a good roster. That's why it's interesting. Well, I thought you were going to say Al- he's going to retire too. And no. Keenan Allen to Hunter Henry and Tyrell Williams. And, and Jason Verrett, their best cornerback. And, they're and gonna, they should be a powerhouse I, next year. I think they have a really interesting roster. So that's why it's risky for them to change coaches if that's something they, they want to do. I mean, that, that's getting way ahead of things. But I think he can kind of have the, the storyline in the season I was hoping Tony Romo would have this year, kind of the old underrated quarterback, the old gun, like going for that title for the first and time. By the way, if we think that this Chargers team, and we are getting ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> if they are a team that could be a powerhouse next year, 
probably going to be right in our backyard. Probably going to end up in L.A. from everything we're starting to hear, <sighs> uh, which will be interesting. And, and, and what a perfect San Diego way if that were to happen and they become a great team. Well, the, when they I hope so. The, the biggest loser not. in that arrangement besides the city of San Diego is the Rams because the Rams are right now a very hard watch and the Chargers are absolutely fun to watch. One note on the Bucks: Doug Martin was much more elusive last week. Muscle hamster. Didn't have the best game statistically, but looked like 2015 Doug Martin. Yeah, he's he's breaking tackle. I think, you know, you come back from a, a long-term injury. I think he's been better each and every week. And Winston's been steadier each and every week. And Noah Spence, if you, if you had to do... If you had to do uh, rankings for Defensive Rookie of the Year, he would have a chance to be number two right now. He's coming on the last few weeks. He's a good pass rusher. Throwing Mike spend. Evans, and it looks like they might get Charles Sims back next week too. Hmm. Whoever wins this game is going to be feeling very good about themselves. Frisky. Heading into the last. It's the Frisky Bowl. Frisky Bowl uh, last week's of the season. Moving on, the Carolina uh, Panthers um, at 4-7. and seven. Uh, you know, when, back in August, we would have thought this was going to be one of the games of the year, uh, Sunday night football. Uh, but instead, it's just a game because the Panthers are <laughs> out of contention and they're traveling to uh, to Seattle to face a 7-3-1 and Seahawks. Timing West doesn't look good here um, for the Panthers at all because uh, Seattle's coming off a really ugly loss to Tampa and you think they're going to bounce back here, right? I do think so. And the Seahawks... They they got worked over on the offensive line. Gerald McCoy ate a Fetty, the rookie, ate his lunch. Clown suit? Clown suit type of performance. And yet, if not for three turnovers in the red zone, the Seahawks could have tied this game late in the game. I don't know. I guess it's something to look forward to. But the Panthers, on the other hand, were out of that game last week until a few play sequences where the Raiders' offense basically killed them, killed the Raiders, and let the Panthers back into it. I'm not convinced – that oh, they that hit was, some, he, hit some, he hit some throws. He hit some plays. He hit some throws. I'm not sure they're repeatable. I don't know. Uh, you think Cam Newton's playing a lot better this season than I do. I think he's been a pretty subpar passer. I think I think he makes a lot of throws, that, and they ask him to make a lot of throws that other quarterbacks don't even try to attempt, and he hits on a lot of them. I think his mechanics have been screwy again. But he's not consistent. I mean, I have him 12th or 13th, which is a, you know at the position, which is you know, pretty deep ball from uh, you know being the MVP what do you have, last Wes? year, uh, easily behind Marcus Mariota. Mm. Not even close in my mind. Marcus Mariota is making plays every week. Not close to Derek Carr either, based on earlier comments in today's show. I think it's a conversation worth having whether you'd rather have Derek Carr or Cam Newton to build around. This is an impossible matchup. Cam Chancellor is having a great year. Michael Bennett's going to be back. Earl Thomas is back. Like the Seahawks defense coming off a loss at home. Forget it. Michael Bennett is I, although almost a Jenga piece on that. Team. No one can run on the Panthers. They're a tough team to run on. Raiders couldn't run on them. They're a tough team to run on even without Luke Kuechly. And, you know, and the Seahawks running game, yeah, I don't know what we have yet with Thomas Rawls. Well, I think it's okay, but I don't know. Thomas Rawls found out last week what Kristen Michael already found out, that you're running into three guys every time you take mm. a handoff. I'm not complaining, by the way. And the Jets got flexed out of their first Sunday night game in what would have been four years last week. Why are we not flexing out the – the Panthers. I'm with you. Were irrelevant. As uh, there we are there December. are a bunch of other matchups you could have put here. Come on, Cam. They probably thought they, they were probably four and five at the time. Cam. He pounded. He pounded. That's why they're on. Yeah. If you're Seattle and you take this thing, you you've got after this the Packers on the road, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the 49ers. Those last three games, 
give you a roadmap to get the number two seed. But to me, Russell Wilson's like Tom Brady or Breeze at this point. If if he ever throws a stink bomb up like like they had last week, I just expect him to play great the next week. I do as well. Yeah. Finally, the Monday night game, uh, the Indianapolis Colts five and six fighting. Uh, for their lives uh, in the AFC South, um, facing a New York Jets team that is three and eight at home uh, with major issues in their secondary. Uh, Mark, this would seem to be a game where Andrew Luck is set up to do some things. Well, on our uh, Pick'em show on NFL Network, Ooh, at, when look is at this? you with the plug. Good what, job. What, what N- times? Does NFL it... Pick'em Eastern. Uh, what is it? Nine <laughs> thirty. You can do this. 12.30, yes. that's a.m. and then p.m. And then uh, if you're staying up late, 1.30 a.m. I don't know why someone wouldn't watch all three and watch everything in between it, um, sit on the chair. What is chair. that, Greg, what is that military time? <laughs> well, that's 13.30, right. and you go from there. <laughs> Mark, uh, you I would know, be a great so, soldier. I haven't really picked up the military time yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> on that particular uh, programming, I picked the Colts or the Jets to win this, and I have been regretting that decision ever since. I don't know why I did that other than to be edgy on air. Which it airs on Saturday, note. by the way. We didn't even mention that. It's Just what? DVR it Saturday. Oh, the day. The day would help. Good job, Greg. And, uh, you know, by the by, so I picked the Jets. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, they're at home, and maybe there's something about the Jets that get this thing done. But I, I think that the Colts – here's the thing. The Colts have something to play for. The Jets, to no. me, do not look like they've had anything to play for in, in seven or they eight just, weeks. They had the Patriots on the ropes fourth and four late in the fourth quarter. They're playing hard. I don't know. Almost beat the Pats. Just, I mean, I don't the, see it happening. The idea that the Colts, the Jets have no chance to beat the Colts. The it's Colts. not that they have of no chance. They have I'm not chance. saying they have no you chance. You're getting Andrew Luck back. I think Andrew Luck's going to. Come back to us, society. I, I get I get Andrew <laughs> Who Luck. Who is the society? You're you, just basically. You guys, yeah, okay? Exactly. Yeah, because exactly. you know what? You know what you guys are failing to see here? The Colts stink, so they shouldn't be a heavy favorite over anybody. They're not. They're they not. don't stink on offense. They oh, Andrew stink. Luck there. I mean, all that's going on in New <laughs> York these mean? days, you know, reports from Darrell Revis's friend that he doesn't oh, even want to play football. Great friend, by the way. That was a, I heard that was uh, Boomer Esiason's reports. That was a plant from the agents that Revis is in litigation wow. with right now. What a beautiful season it's been in New York. Wow. I love it. I, well, Darrell Revis might retire at halftime after <laughs> T.Y. Hilton runs him up and down the field. If, assuming he's Hilton, playing? I, I think he's going to be playing, yes. Okay. Well, Andrew Luck is. Can you make up your mind, Dan? Yeah, what? I mean, one week you want to see Bryce Petty, and the next week you want us to respect your 3-8 and eight Jets they are looking forward to next Wait year. Wait a second. I mean, I, those the Jets are, not are a cakewalk. By the they're way. a tomato can. <laughs> the Jets? The Jets are a 3-8 and eight tomato can, and the Colts saying, will summarily, summarily dispense with them. You want to put a sandwich on that? I absolutely do. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's sandwich it up. Sandwich it now up. Now there's finally something to do uh, to, to to look for with this well, game. Well, you've got to do this the way I have. I picked the Colts. I picked the Jets on NFL Network. I picked the Colts on this podcast. <laughs> that is <laughs> last, last time we saw Andrew Luck, you know, they didn't punt in the entire first half against the Titans. I think this Colts team was coming together before that Luck injury. I oh, do, yeah. too. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. not a great team, but a dangerous team. Very dangerous. Big play machine on offense. Unstoppable. Knocked out the Titans. Um, Moncrief, we shall see. Hilton, Doyle. <laughs> Sorry, taking Dan. you down. This is not the way this should have ended. Buster for you. Screen, <laughs> Buster Screen. Please, another holding penalty downfield. They're gonna do like a halftime ceremony. Calvin. They're gonna retire at Revis's number at halftime. Do the whole speech and everything. All right, they calm down. Your your team's not going anywhere anymore. You're done too. <laughs> You're just as done. You just don't know it yet. Wow, that's even more painful. Well. 
I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> this ended all in right. a dark place. All right. We will be back on Sunday uh, recapping all of these games, uh, except for that Monday night game, which we'll recap on Tuesday. Don't you know how this works by now? I hope you do. But thank you for listening. Make sure you really leave reviews on iTunes, leave star ratings. That affects things inside this building. Change is hard inside this building, but with your help, change is possible. Right. And change is a good thing. And set up that season pass for the uh, oh yeah the old NFL Network show. Ratings been pretty good the last few weeks. The, okay. uh, the listeners are coming. That's good. Everything's good. And La Cid, how you doing with that financial windfall? Great. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm great. great. I just, yeah, life, life is good. She's like in a I money coma. Up. Yeah. <laughs> money Mon- coma. I've well, never even heard of a money coma. Mark, is there still a little bit of a different air around uh, new money now that she is? Uh, oh yeah. Well, what I've noticed have... is a little bit of uh, you know distant coldness, yeah. some iciness, a little bit aloof over you know the regular people that are just sort of nine to fivers. Yeah. Punching a. A pay, you know, just punching the card, trying to make make do, pay their bills. She said, "I don't need to do that. People will pay my bills right. for me." This I, morning, I saw I saw her outside the, the on the campus. I said, "Hey, where's that Great Dane you've been parading around?" And she went, "It bawled me." And she said, <laughs> she "Just let it go." Yeah, it's 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 uh, concerning. Sorry, Sid, it is. It's really sliding down the common man rankings. It, it's it's a little. It's a bit of a weird move. You now have you know people in the in your room, the editing room, go get you your lunch. Like yeah. that's your thing to go get my yeah. pulled I'm that out of the uh, got that out of the Henry Hodgson playbook. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. This is Dan Hansa signing off uh, for the Quiet Storm, Mark Sessler, and the Mailman, Chris Wessling, and the Boss Emeritus, Greg Rose- Rosenthal, and of course, New Money, Sidney Carlson behind the glass. Till Sunday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.